if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. So today we'll talk to you about the role of a PRC. So we have recorded a video uh, during the uh, Team PRC event in Brussels in November 3rd and 4th. Uh, so it was really a great event and I wanted to, just to share that with you. So stay with me. Okay, so we have um, participated, I have participated to the uh, Team PRC event. So thank you to uh, the Team PRC Association for, for its invitation. Uh, so I try to record some of the uh, of the uh, sessions that were there. I interviewed a lot of people, so uh, I will have more videos that will come afterwards. Uh, and um, the first uh, session, which was a panel discussion, was really, really interesting and uh, is providing a lot of uh, great information. And I wanted to share that with you. Uh, I cutted some of the pieces because, yeah, it was really a long, uh, long session of um, multiple hours. So I just tried to make it uh, short so that uh, it can fit in a podcast episode uh, like the 30 minutes. So I hope you will enjoy that. So um, on this panel discussion, we have uh, Basile Accra, uh, which is a board member of the Team PRC Association, who is doing the facilitation. We have uh, Mario Gabriel Cosuelo, uh, who is um, the, from the EU Commission. We have also Orla Dali from the EU Commission. Uh, Françoise Schlemmer from uh, Team Notified Body, Team NB. And we had Christopher Kipps from the BV Med in Germany. So it was really a, a great uh, session because um, people could ask also their question and you had some people at the end that were asking their question. Uh, but yeah, most of the question that maybe you are looking, you are asking yourself for a PRC will be answered within this video. So uh, I wish you a great episode and we'll talk at the end. PRC, this is a big word, uh, which is actually written on one page. Why was this actually function created? Is there a reason? What is expected behind that function? And why it was implemented in medical device regulations and IDR? Can you give us a bit of background, like why it came into the regulation as far as you can go back? <laughs> is it working? Yes. I hope you mind. I am loud enough. I hope you mind. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, no, thank you for that question, a fundamental one, uh, of course. Uh, I don't know how far I can go back, but maybe Mario can also, can also help me. But I think what's clear is that this uh, role has been introduced, obviously, I mean, it's kind of in the name person responsible for regulatory compliance, so that there is someone within a manufacturer's organization or an authorized representative who is uh, qualified who has a certain level of expertise. Uh, of course, um, those requirements are set down in the legislation. That is going to help on very important aspects 
um, for a manufacturer to achieve compliance with regulations, which have obviously, um, in terms of their content, you know, significantly been reinforced since the time of the directives. So I think it's a, a fitting introduction uh, of this role. Um, so perhaps Francois, you can, you can uh, give us also some background and input on this. And I would like you to answer one additional question. Because uh, Christopher was talking about the legislation, which was actually the directive in the past, uh, which, is, which ended with 2021. And now we have 2022 for the IVDR, uh, when the IVDR came into place. Um, is this actually a requirement as well? When elaborating on this form, is this requirement applicable also for directive devices since data publication? Okay, two, two things. First of all, uh, in the Belgian legislation, uh, in the transposition of the Directive 9347, um, we, it is included that manufacturers have to have a person of contact uh, which was responsible uh, for, for example, market surveillance who has to be uh, in, linked to the uh, competent authority. Now, that's the first thing. Uh, uh, then, yes, in Belgium in the past, uh, on the, uh, regarding the directive, there needs to be a kind of PRC. But it's not the case in all the country, and uh, for the time being, except these small uh, peculiarities, no, uh, we do not issue not um, not do not issue uh, non-conformities when there are no PRC uh, following the, the directive. But yes, following the regulation. Yeah, which is which is uh, a new obligation. So I think this is why it shouldn't be the directive. We we saw it sometimes by uh, there is a confusion. So we are currently in the learning curve situation. People are still learning and trying to understand what are the legislation, what, how to deal with them, and that's why some of these cases are happening. But it's a good answer for everyone. So if you're notified body, you didn't start or you don't have like an MDR compliant device, you don't need to have a PROC in place. As soon as you apply for MDR, keep in mind that you are assuming that you are compliant, so you need to have all set of the MDR or IVDR already installed, and you need to have that person in place. But not for the directive, this is what we got as an answer, which is good to hear, and this is helpful, I think, for everyone. Now, Michael was mentioning something which is very interesting. When we look to the regulation and we look to the role of a PRC, it's saying the role of such a person is ensuring compliance. And this kind of word leads to a lot of discussion. Some people understand it. A PRC is fully liable and responsible for everything happening in the organization. We have the bullet points under Article 15, which are talking about quality management compliance, talking about uh, technical documentation, preparation and update, declaration of conformity as well, talking about post-market surveillance obligation, vigilance obligation, and the responsibility also for clinical investigation and to, to issue this declaration before you initiate the clinical investigation. For every single point, I have a lot of questions. But I would start with the first initial question, which is very important, I think, for everyone. Orla, what is meant by ensuring compliance? Is it 100% taking responsibility? Or what does it mean? Can you give us a bit of understanding how to read this word? Yeah, thanks for the question, the million dollar question. Um, no, I guess 
maybe it's just good to kind of, you know, point out the difference firstly between responsibility and liability. And obviously in Article 15, you see mentioned a number of times responsible. It's also in the name of the PRRC, of course. Um, but I think when we look at that, we when we say ensuring compliance, um, I think you're part of the system of compliance, like Mary spoke about, of course, the manufacturers, um, you know, holds the ultimate responsibility. Everyone in, this, in the system has their own roles for the PRC, those checking functions they have to engage in um, <clears throat> related to post-markets, uh, surveillance, various other things, they're set out. They are responsible to make sure those tasks are fulfilled, I would say. But we would distinguish that from liability, which obviously, you know, there could be different types, personal, um, if it's to do with uh, company liability, are we talking about for defective products, uh, etc. And I think maybe just to make a comparison with Article 11, for example, the authorised rep, we clearly see in Article 11, uh, 5, I believe it is, the mention of joint liability, uh, jointly and severally with the manufacturer for defective products. Um, comparing that to the Article 15, we don't see this type of wording appearing. Um, and the other place we see liability being spoken about in regulation is Article 1016, which speaks about the manufacturer's um, obligation to have certain financial coverage in, in case of um, harm caused by a defective product. So I think in that sense, our focus has been, and I think the MDCG guidance that we have, that's 2019-7 on the PRC, also doesn't go into detail about liability. It focuses more on these are the tasks. It's what you have to comply with. I don't know if I can give you a X percent, but I think that's the reflection so far about the role. is a legal manufacturer, that is clear. And of course, responsibilities of the PRC are either uh, set up in the organization structure to through the quality management system, as you said, or uh, if the uh, PRC task is subcontracted, then it is a, a, a contract who is the, which is defining uh, who is responsible for what. As simple as that. So it's all about your quality management system. You define how you fulfill the obligation. What Orla was mentioning, you need to have a system in place to check how the insurance of compliance is achieved. And Francois followed up on this to say, whatever you're going to write, we're going to check for its effectiveness and we're going to check if you are following what you have described. But you described, if you say you're going to do 100% check, then it is your fault because you fulfill the requirement in that way. It's your decision how you're going to implement the requirement. And uh, now we come to the point of liability again. And Orla touched it a bit and uh, mentioned something regarding authorized representative. We're going to talk about that because there is a PRC role as well there, but we will discuss it just later during the discussion today. But Mario, looking to you, liability. Uh, a lot of people come to us as team PRC uh, organization and ask us, are we going to the jail if we do something which is perhaps not correct? Who is responsible? Uh, Francois mentioning actually the manufacturer is, li uh, is liable. What about the PRC? Could they go in jail? 
Is this something which was intended by the legislators in Europe to put some people in jail and save energy, perhaps? No, I would, I would say that the idea of the legislation is not to be punitive, to be sanctionary, because uh, first of all, of course, the penalties between such a regime uh, are on the responsibility of the member states. No? There is a specific article in the MDR and IDR on penalties. Uh, the legislation, of course, prescribes that this sanction penalties must be proportionate, dissuasive, and so on. But then it will be open to member states whether some uh, infractions are rather to be treated in administrative mode or criminal. Or civil, usually civil is quite uh, common because of possible damages, or even criminal. Some member states can decide to go this way. Uh, for example, very recently I had a look to the Italian legislation which was approved about this and it was rather about fines, about sanctions, pecuniary So, if you got the uh, summary of that, and I think the last sentence was very critical and important for everyone. If you conduct your jo job in a professional way, then you, you are not risking any liability issues. If you will deviate because Someone will force you within an organization, give you like a technical documentation where you say, I don't follow that, it's not compliant, and you just waive it just because you are getting a bonus. Then you are acting illegal. This is actually your professional liability and not the, the, the PRRC liability. You are not acting professionally. And this can be attacking you in every member state with, with uh, penalties or even uh, legal acts. And in some cases, the manufacturer can put you also into coal liability because you did something which is not according to what they believe, it's actually according to the law. So you need to make sure that your contract with your company is well set, defining who is responsible for what and how you are able as a person to fulfill your role in compliance with the requirement. And I think this is very important that you consider that. Um, you shouldn't be fearing to go to jail if you are doing your job in the right way. Jail is sometimes a big word, so not everyone runs to a jail, they don't have a lot of space. So if not, we, we see here we have a lot of PRC, so that nobody is looking for that. It's all about actually acting professionally, and if you are doing something like the scandal that was mentioned by Mario, this is like a corrupt uh, activity, uh, and if someone like this is acting in such a way that they might go to jail, but this is not what we have every single day. Every one of us is acting professionally. Germany has some experience in the past. We listened to that. Uh, did you did you hear a lot of suitcases regarding safety officers, which is now the PRC? Uh, is this something which was actually because a lot of people want to know about liability, about the issues related to that? Uh, is this in the past something that was happening on member state level that people went to jail because they were not doing? or not assuming doing their job in the right way? Um, in principle, no, I don't have any cases where someone went to jail because of personal liability. Uh, two things I would like to add to the discussion before. I think as the PRRC, we have seen that responsibility and liability are mostly two different things. But if I were a PRRC, two things I would do just to minimize my potential risk. And the first thing is to make sure with your, with your company that the liability insurance of the company is covering Article 15 and maybe additionally see if an insurance um, you can set up uh, an own personal 
liability insurance, just in case, because, um, like we said, um, national uh, laws define penalties and um, fines. And the second one is to, first of all, make sure that you fulfill the responsibilities that you have as PRC, and to have, just in case, in case of an incident, written proof that you fulfilled your job. So let's say um, there is an incident that you did report to upper management and not by just calling, but to have written proof just in case to minimize your own personal risk. So documented uh, procedure, documented uh, uh, evidence uh, of compliance are important uh, in doing the job in the right way. Hey, just a second, do you need an EU, Swiss or UK representative? Then choose Easy Medical Device, we can represent you and also become your importer. Contact us at eo at easymedicaldevice.com So we heard that the PRC is a person which should be defined an organization. I hear a lot of times CEOs were designating themselves uh, as the, the PRC for the organization, especially with small companies, they get to the limitation that uh, the legislation allow actually uh, for small and smallest companies that they are able to delegate the activities to an external resource. And some companies, they uh, take the decision to say, we are such a small company and we don't want to have that investment because we cannot afford it in some cases. Therefore, the CEO feels that this role can be connected to the CEO. So, can a CEO be a PRRC or not? Um, another good question. So, I suppose if you look at the article itself, it's not preventing anyone with a particular role in an organization from um, being designated as the PRRC as long as they are fulfilling the requirements set out in Article 15.1, um, which pertain to the formal qualifications um, and the professional experience needed. I think maybe, you know, you touched upon the SME and maybe it depends on the situation, depends on the company in a larger corporate structure um, where you have to have your PRC, um, you know, internally employed within the organization. Maybe it's not preferable that it would be the CEO, but rather somebody um, maybe working more directly with the uh, regulatory affairs team, but that still has a direct reporting line to management. So if any major compliance issues are spotted, they are easily communicated. Um, in terms of the SME, whilst indeed you, you do have the option to outsource, um, it may be a situation, I don't know, or financially or otherwise, where the CEO could be appointed. Um, but I think it's just important then there's a certain level of, um, let's say, independence between your role as CEO and your role as a PORC to make sure that you're actually doing what you're supposed to do um, in the legislation. And I suppose that you're not checking your own work because that may be a bit problematic. Yeah, I mean, it's at the end, it's like you're gonna be in a situation as a CEO, looking to yourself and asking yourself in front of the mirror to say, I have a business case, I need to sell those two million products, and then the, the PRC in your mirror will tell you, you shouldn't do that because you're not in compliance. And then you're gonna have this debate that you 
damage the mirror and take a decision as a CEO to keep the business ongoing, which is critical. So there is a wording in the MDR which is talking about the PRC should not face any disadvantage in conducting their job within the organization. Now, if you are the CEO, so you're going to be facing disadvantage on not being able to continue with your business because your mirror is telling you then, um, don't do that, and you want to actually do this. And this is, like you said, it's not easy. It could be a situation interim-wise, and it depends always on the devices, on the classes, on the number of devices, and how you can set it. But it's not advisable, this is what I hear from you. Uh, Francois, would you accept that from notified body, uh, 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 let's say, because you're going to be doing the job. At the end, you're going to be auditing whatever actually the legislation is, is telling you, is not giving you like that limitation. Would you actually accept the CEO to be a PRC as notified body? Yes, we will, uh, in case, of course, all the uh, requirements are fulfilled. But, and, and of course, uh, as you said, uh, there could be some difficulties. But what we re uh, more likely see is that uh, the difficulties for a CEO to perform uh, all the tasks of a PRC as well. And that <laughs> more often the problems. That other, other yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you need to be also a bit creative as a CEO because I saw like a CEOs writing a letter to themselves and saying, I dedicate you as a CEO and then asking themselves. I saw that, those letters, I'm not making jokes and writing themselves, please confirm that actually that you take this role. Then the same person signed this uh, a letter and sent it back to himself and said, yes, I take the job. And this is like, you need to be a bit creative. So if you do that, try to have someone else in the organization at least reviewing your, your qualification and confirming that you are fulfilling the process expectation as such, just to make sure that you are not getting into uh, challenges like, like Francois was mentioning. Uh, Christopher, uh, uh, from, from your view, I mean, you're dealing with a lot of uh, small organizations. I think uh, the big limitation on, on getting resources is not just actually being able to, to invest this amount uh, of money to, to get the resource. Resources are getting more expensive nowadays. I actually, like getting an MDR or IVDR expert is becoming like really like putting gas in your car. Really expensive is, is really a rare personality that you need to find. And to find a qualified person means that you got the step ahead and you are like really able to find really qualified person, but they are expensive. Small companies are not able to afford it. Even external, sometimes they are not able to afford it. What is your, your experience with that? Uh, especially in, I, I think, Germany, France, and other European countries like Italy, they have a lot of small companies. Uh, what is the struggle that you hear from them with having a PRC external or internal? Exactly, and even the, especially the, the small companies are struggling with this, or I wouldn't even say struggling, because the companies I talk to, they have the cases that the CEO is designated as the PRC, and that's step one, and then they're, they're looking forward to, um, to, to find staff that can take this role, but as you mentioned, it's, it's, it's hard. Uh, to find experienced stuff, um, but um, if you find someone who hasn't ha doesn't have the experience, of course, 
we do and I think the TÜV for example does also um, offer trainings and that's, that's very important also for the CEO. I mean, um, because you're a CEO doesn't mean that you uh, do a great job as a PRC. Um, so training is important and uh, since you asked, I mean, from, from the German side, on, in our association we do have uh, a PRC network and just to give you some numbers, I checked um, where do these persons who are the PRC actually working in the, inside their organization. The network is about 100 people, uh, hundred participants we have, and about 75% of the participants are actually working in quality management, regulatory affairs, or clinical. So, the companies that do have the resources um, put the responsibilities of the PRC to the resources they have and the experience resources. But on the other hand, we have about 10 to 15% of participants are actually on the CEO level and 10 to 15 percent from very different um, uh, so like product management, development and so on. So there is a relevant number of companies where the CEO is the PRC, yes. Okay, so it's not a no, it's a no but be careful. Uh, so try to, to make that in a way which is uh, enabling you to achieve compliance and uh, try to avoid like getting on board the line because you could put yourself in really big question marks. We, we heard about qualification. So uh, Christopher mentioned you need to get the training. Um, this is not clearly described in the village, but what kind of training would it be actually expected? What kind of training shall a PRC have to be able to show that they, they know what they are doing? So Francois, what you would be expecting from them? Okay, um, let's say that be back from the quality management system, the, the requirements to be fulfilled are, are written, then uh, we have to uh, have a training that uh, is showing how to deal with the things you have, the task you have to do. It's so you need to have an MDR training or IBDR training if you are acting in this field, you need to know the legislations. Yes. and the processes which you are using to make sure that you are meeting the compliance. And there are a lot of organizations offering such a training. Yes. Uh, and uh, recently notified bodies are also allowed to give training again mm. uh, to educate a manufacturer to have them understanding the obligation, mm. uh, which is also a positive sign, I think, because at the end it's always important to know what are the expectations. I think this is like important that people active in this field get that training. Mind you, uh, one of the qualification requirements and the obligation is actually to have qualified person, and there are listed like person with uh, medical background, law, and so on. And there is like a small sentence which is also between the lines, which is saying that this actually qualification need to be recognized by the European member state. Now we have a lot of companies which are international companies, and today if we ask in this room how many of the people are here with a European degree, we might find people that they had their degree somewhere else in the world. Today, I mean, even, even the UK is not anymore the European Union, so a degree in the UK would be accepted or it would not be accepted. What about Switzerland? The degree in Switzerland is also not the European Union. So it's in Europe, but not the European Union. All of these things are leading to questions. And then 
during all that, I saw in some cases notified bodies asking, what is the evidence that is recognized? What would be your recommendation and what would be actually the evidence that would be expected there? Indeed, we can say that uh, recognition of uh, professional qualification is the remit, the remit of member states. So, in principle, when a member state, the system of the member state recognizes that the title is got in the United States or in Switzerland or whatever, is valid also in their country, so in this sense the requirement of the legislation is fulfilled. Uh, so the, the commission, the, the legislation as such, the commission as such cannot give any specific indication or any obligation of the member states. Thank you, Mario. Um, I, I think we, we discussed a lot of important topics now, and I know that some of you might have questions. And I see already someone very excited to raise a question. Uh, he couldn't wait. So we need to give him a chance to raise this question. Ronald, please go ahead. Yes, it's, uh, it's about the, uh, the qualification. I think the rule says that if you have a relevant university qualification, and it doesn't matter where it's called, you, you get it. I mean, someone working for a Japanese company with a Japanese university degree, that's fine. I think that's what it says in, in, in the regulations. And if you have something else, another type of education, which is not a university degree, but something else, then it must be recognized whether it's done in Europe or not. And um, on the point of, of recognition, I, I just asked some competent authorities, well, two, um, where, where should we go? And, and, and the answer was a, a bit longer than, huh? But it meant the same thing. But So, um, I, I don't think that the, the, the regulations demand this. So I, I, I hope we can see that corrected in the next, uh, in an update of the, of the guidance, because it's, it's just, just not there. It says a university degree, a relevant university degree, or uh, an education, uh, an other education as recognized by a member state. And That's here, it. again, perhaps it's a reading, like I said, you look to the same sentence and everyone would recognize something different. Now, the question is what is what is notified body, what are the notified bodies doing? And I would like to hear a bit more about that from Francois, but before I'm gonna give Christopher the word and then we can open the discussion with, with you about so. I just want to see that Mario, do you want to no, maybe just to add that indeed um, this is a, a this is a typical problems of legal interpretation, no? You you, you have not to remain only on the literality, but you need to interpret uh, the okay. Can you see? Okay. So you need to interpret, taking into account also the background and the relationship with the other part of the legislation. And in this case, as we have also the different language versions of the same legal text, it can be used also to have a look at other versions, for example, the English one, French one, the German one, and so on. So the idea of this course is rather a cycle of course, so not just a couple of weeks course, crash course on this. This is not really the idea. It should be a cycle of course, so something similar, not necessarily university level, but something similar to university, which would be enough to demonstrate that you have this uh, qualification to uh, carry, out, uh, carry out the work. I would say that there would be also the need to go on a case by case, you know, in case, uh, especially 
when problems arise, to investigate if really Mr. or Mrs. Eclis is fully qualified, her degrees is okay or not, or a fake one, but it will be entering two decades. I think that indeed a university degree would be ideal because it will solve the problem by the root. Other courses are also acceptable, but take into account that they should be something systematic, something a cycle of course, as more clearly indicating the French version of the, of the same article, if you want. No? So, just to, to check the correct interpretation uh, to be applied in uh, concrete cases. Thank you, Mario. So, Christopher, you, you have also burning comments. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now, just to give uh, a practical example. Um, the recognition is a national matter. And for example, in Germany, if you are working for a German company and you have a foreign degree of whatever, you can go to the website of the um, Federal Ministry of Education and Research and there is a database and you can check, okay, is my university recognized in general? Is my degree recognized in general? Uh, and if not, you can uh, send in your degree or whatever you have and it, it, it will be checked if it's recognized so you you get um, you get certainty on that on the on the national level yeah. so uh, in some member states you have a system in place so if your authorities are not able to help you in, in your case uh, give them an example of Germany which is uh, already uh, having a system which help manufacturer understand uh, actually whether they are fulfilling the obligation Francoise uh, and I see another question but I would like to take from you I mean, you have been doing audits now. We have some certificate on NVR and IVR. I will not name the numbers because I don't want to open discussion, which could be critical. <laughs> but you have some experience already. So, and based on that experience, uh, what are the typical nonconformities that you raise against this Article 15 of the regulation? Uh Perhaps two things. First, to, to come back to uh, the, the education, just to say that, you know, notified body like proof, evidence, and then beside the title, the name of the diploma, we have a program behind it. And then uh, sometimes we ask for the program, and then we, we know what, what is behind the, the title, because sometimes it is not obvious of what is behind that, the number of years, or the, and uh, as well uh, the, the course, uh, which were inside. Then definitely we are, we are doing that. And then when we speak about PRC in general, and uh, let's say the main non-conformities that we see, um, of course is a lack of competencies of the PRC. Uh, lack of uh, description in the SOPs and, uh, and also uh, um, lack of evidence on how the things are done, meaning uh, the tasks are achieved in a right way. And so that's the evidence that we are definitely lacking. So uh, <laughs> Hilde, you have, you have a question. Yes, sorry, it was uh, actually coming back on the clarification for the recognition because I think 
one of the items um, in our company that created confusion on that is this is for PRCs working actually in Europe, either from one country to another or coming from outside and working in Europe. That's how I understood it. Because what do you do if you have a um, PRC for an American US-based legal manufacturer that's also based, of course, and embedded in that organization as a US person having a US degree? Then it's not applicable in my opinion, because how do you do that? How would you do that? So to me, that's only applicable if you work as a PRC within Europe, in one of the countries where you can actually request a recognition for your diploma. So, Hilde, while you stated that, and so hands going up, you know, like, <laughs> I would like to let others also add comments, and then we can open it for discussion here. So, uh, if you go back uh, yes, to the persons that are raising their hand, please. Thank you. Um, I think that it's quite clear that the recognition system is uh, through the European system, which is EMIC NAUTIC website, where you can find all the national member states' systems which are nationally accepted. Um, and it is also valid for non-EU, and that's why it's made for. <laughs> it's to recognize um, the degrees which are not European, and therefore, you have a system which is nationally based, but the full system can be found in the ERIC NARIC. Yes, and I think, you know, uh, please, uh, if you can give the microphone to the next person, just to add one point. I think the legislature thought about this since the beginning, because they opened two cases. They gave you actually the opportunity of having the educational qualification and the experience qualification. So they didn't say you have to fulfill everything, whatever you are. They said if you are non-European indirectly and you can't fulfill the European obligation. So they gave an advantage for the European citizens to say you have a qualification in Europe and you have that education, then you don't need that long experience to be a PRC. But if you are non-European, take the pathway of taking the experience that you bring in this field and take that as your qualification to show actually compliance with the European legislation. Those are our options. There is not just one single option to fulfill the obligation of being a PRC. It's not always about having a degree that would allow you to meet the requirements. Okay, I hope it was great for you. So uh, I hope your questions were answered. Um, this event will happen again next year. So I really encourage you to go again uh, or to go uh, to the Team PRC event. Uh, if you are a PRC, because we, this is the event for PRCs, uh, it answers all your questions. So really thanks uh, to, uh, to LMI and for, from also the uh, Team, uh, team uh, PRC Association uh, for uh, inviting me and also allowing me to, to record uh, some of the sessions. Um, so if you want to also uh, see the next videos about what will happen with Team PRC, uh, it will be on my YouTube channel, so just subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, put also the notification bell so that you are informed when a new episode uh, is released. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it and I wish you then a nice day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.